Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the AIM Sisters podcast. You're here today with your hosts, Anna and Maria Setting, bringing your favorite twin talk of the week. And in this episode, I want to talk about something very spooky and very special. We're talking about witches. So it's an amazing topic. We're so excited to talk about it because I think we grew up with this concept of the witch. And I think our generation has a very different idea of what a witch is than, I don't know, our parents' generation, for example. We grew up with Harry Potter. We grew up with Sabrina. We grew up with all those uh, references in pop culture. And many people, they have this old idea of a witch that is like an old lady that is scary and will, I don't know, cast a spell on you and you die. You know, some people yeah. really don't like it. Yeah. I think, like you said, the image of the witch changed so much throughout time. So we wanted to dive a bit deeper and understand why that happened and where does this witch thing comes from in the first place? Uh, what makes a person be considered a witch, you know? Um, of course, nowadays, a lot of people consider themselves like Wicca is a religion and all those things. But we wanted to understand the roots and why people are so scared of witches. Are you scared of witches, sister? I am not. I adore the witch yes. witches. <laughs> I am. <laughs> well, so shall we dive in? Yeah, sure. So I think we have to start from the very dramatic period that everyone's heard of, that is Europe in the mid-1400s. Can you imagine Europe during that time? It was like medieval time, close to getting to capitalism, but still not there. And all of a sudden, this witch hysteria started to crippling in the a lot of countries at the same time. And... Within a century, the witch hunt started and a lot of people were accused and they were executed by burning at the stake or hanging usually. And most of them were single women, widows, or women that are really in the margins of society that really had no one to protect them or they were considered outside social standards. Maybe they were not married, maybe they had their own herbal garden and they knew how to heal people and they knew how to do all those things. And people said, how are they doing those things? You know, like the church couldn't believe in what they were doing. And this whole situation started. So between the years of 1500 and 1600, 1660, around 80,000 people were suspected of being witches and put to death in Europe. Women, particularly. particularly women. Yes. And, it's crazy to think that most of them, like the, the biggest rate of people who died accused of witchcraft were in Germany, actually. And the least amount of people was in Ireland. And mm. when people did those things, they used to say women were had cahoots with the devil and they were filled with lust and all those things that if you think is a very... Catholic mindset, Christian perception. And that's of the, the point. Church. I think it's important to say that previously, you know, women, they were they were taught by their grandmothers and their mothers and, you know, other women in their family how to, you know, practice their spiritual r- rituals if they had some 
or to heal others, you know, because they didn't have doctors like nowadays. So they had to learn how to heal themselves and their communities. And they counted on the wise elders as well. And then suddenly, not suddenly, I mean, throughout time, because of the rise of Catholicism in those areas and patriarchy as well, those women were very disempowered and everything that they did was considered wrong basically, and also a threat to their power and to their authority. I would even say during that time, if you think about, we talked a little bit about this in some other episodes, but the institutionalization of health system, the healthcare system, and how universities starting to arise. I mean, people, women who knew how to heal others, they were excluded from that system. So men that were healing people, they weren't called witches or wizards or anything like that. And it's no coincidence. And it's really I mean, crazy. For you to be a doctor at that time, you had to be a man and a priest would have to say, oh, you're doing the right thing. So it was really intertwined with um, Catholicism. And so all yeah. the other people who were not up to that or couldn't go to university or were basically women, they were just outcasted. And they were the responsible ones for medicine for a long time, mostly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to see how like this whole church thing is horrible and it was related to this, it's like uh, I said, German was the in Germany was the highest rate of like murders, basically, of people that were considered witch because they published a book, the German Dominicans. They published a book that was translated as. The Hammer of Witches. And in that book was basically a guide that telling people how to identify, hunt, and interrogate witches. And then this thing got, we would say, viral nowadays in Europe. And it just went out of control. And then it went to the US, right? And um, in the US, it was a bit later. It was in the 1600. But actually... In all colonies, right? Not only in the U.S. We hear a lot about the witch trials in the U.S., like Salem, for example. But it was in Africa and Latin America and all those places that were colonized. They were also Mm -hmm. infused with this fear of witches. Yeah. But I think... um, Okay, so I'm going to talk about this a bit later. But like in the U.S., specifically in the 13 colonies, there was a smallpox epidemic going on. And also they were always scared of Native American tribes attacking them because, you know, they had just arrived in America and like taking other people's territories. Obviously it's going to happen. But anyway, so the atmosphere was already very tense and they were trying to find basically a scapegoat to blame all those bad things happening to them at the same time. So um, they said that something was happening and they first some girls started having some seizures and probably nowadays they say it was probably some kind of mushroom or fungus that caused them to have those attacks and see have hallucinations but like two women and one woman was enslaved they were um they went to this trial and they were said they were witches and they died so those things spread across other colonies other Um, places around the U.S. But I would like to mention that, like you said, other places that were colonized by Europe during that time, right? I think 
it's a bit different because if you think about Africa, for example, the continent is huge and um, witchcraft is something that is practiced in many countries, African countries, and it's a very different thing from this Western view of witchcraft that we have. Mm -hmm. So I think just a disclaimer, like the examples we're giving here is more related to this Western uh, historical approach to witchcraft, but witchcraft exists all over the world. You have, if you study a bit of anthropology, you're going to see that in Asia, Africa, Latin America, Europe, everywhere. So it's, I think it's just humans trying to deal with the unknown is something that comes to us. So witchcraft is nothing... I wouldn't say it's nothing strange because it's really just a way of dealing with the unknown. I guess basically the term which was really used as a, a tool for um, causing fear and panic in people and, you know, yeah. disenfranchising women in many cases. Because if you were a little bit of an outsider, you could be a witch. If you did not mm -hmm. conform in some way, if you were not married at a certain age, if you had a lot of land and you were just a woman, just right at that time, you could be considered a witch. If they didn't like you, if somebody gossiped about you, you know, so. Yeah. Actually, they had to develop laws in the U.S. to stop people from condemning others and like accusing others of being witches. <laughs> So they had to create laws for people to stop that too because they were seeing like this is going nowhere you know because obviously they're not witches um but it's interesting to see how i consider in a short period of time the word witch was kind of reinvented with the religion wicca yeah so i mean not a short term but Relatively short, I would say. Because I think it was like a collective trauma after the witch hunts and trials and all those things. But some people are brave enough to recover those origins. And nowadays, Wicca is considered a modern interpretation of pre-Christian traditions. Yeah. And some of them are involved with like ancient lines, like Druidism or they have environmental elements to it, or even um, other goddess spirituality or feminism related to it as well. I guess nowadays there are many neo-paganism involved mm -hmm. in that. And it's not really just about the Wiccan as a religion, Wiccan religion, but also just different ways of living, like adopting as a lifestyle, neo-paganism, or just a belief system but maybe nowadays i think many people they believe in many things at the same time mm -hmm. so they can um you know grow up in a catholic family still believing saints and angels and whatever and then get acquainted with neo-paganism and really adore like the connection with nature and you know the rituals and connecting with their own inner goddess in some cases so um, I guess it's being really like a new version of what a, a witch was <laughs> nowadays. Yeah. I mean, the modern Wiccan practices that we know is actually can be traced back to the Egyptologist 
and anthropologist, folklorist, Margaret Murray. She was a lot of things, and she wrote many books about medieval religion and especially how people used to have witch cults in medieval Europe. And around those things, people learned how witchcraft worked before the witch trials and all the mass that happened. So those people in the early 50s and 40s, even before, they started to learn from her books, like how those things were made and covens started appearing, especially in England. So the name Wicca was given by Gerald Gardner in 1954. And he wrote the book Witchcraft Today. And that's yeah. why the Wicca appeared, the name Wicca. Um, and actually comes from a Scottish English word that means wise people. Uh, and But the thing is, like, his vision of Wicca was very different from the spiritual kind of Wiccan practices we have nowadays. Because I think the American version of Wicca that appeared in the 70s was this more uh, magic-based, um, actually it was more, more this nature-based nature spirituality. Because in the past was kind of very strict the way he put Wicca to be. So the movement changed in the US and became the thing we know nowadays and how it got popularized and women who were feminists also related to that because it literally allowed them to express themselves. And I think until nowadays, like people, young girls who, I, I don't know, are on social media and see witchcraft and see like how to be a witch, how you're a kitchen witch, how you're a fairy witch, how blah, 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 witch is like, a way of them to they find to express themselves and a little bit of power in the game from that narrative as well yeah and i think it's also because the initial connotation of a witch and even nowadays if you say you're a witch you know you're an outsider mm. still i think many people they don't don't like the term or they don't understand why you would call yourself a witch like are you special do you have powers what you know yeah. most people they don't believe it actually although it's more popular nowadays so i think like you said it is a form of empowerment saying you're a witch but also a form of challenging people and challenging patriarchal dynamics and you know saying yeah i can be an outsider and i, I can use that as a form of empowerment and that's why i think we have been seeing many people who are considered um, a little bit marginalized in our society to have been adopting those um, forms of spirituality, um, including more Black people, especially Black women, LGBTQ plus community, um, older women as well, as, as well as the new, new generations, you know. But usually are people who are kind of misunderstood by white, male, uh, you know, hetero. Yeah. 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 So they kind of find a space where they can challenge the norm, but also empower themselves in the same way. And it was interesting how we can see there is a rise in the occult and a rise in those um, engagement in forms of paganism and witchcraft and all that especially during periods of instability and uncertainty. In the past, it happened nowadays as well. 
So they were even seeing like uh, when Trump was in power, many more people they came, you know, declaring themselves as witches, and they even would protest together as a as a coven or as a group of women, and saying that they would do like spells or rituals to try to diminish the power of men who are propagating patriarchy. It's really really interesting, I think, like how they are engaging in those political scenes, using their beliefs and using their witch powers as well. <laughs> I think it's it's really healing as well, if you think about it, because some people in the healing community, they talk about the witch wound. I think it's something real. Like women are really afraid of speak up, of, you know, showing their power and all those things. And some people call it the witch wound. I don't know if you believe in past lives, but obviously if you've been a witch, if you've been a woman considered a witch and burned at the stake, of course you're going to have a huge trauma that probably is going to last generations. Or just this collective, if you, if you don't believe in past lives, like this collective trauma that women had, like if you open your mouth, if you do something out of line, you can die. So. Yeah, being seeing women nowadays uh, protesting as witches, I think it's very healing in general. Yeah. You come to me, I'll put fire on you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna show you what's being burned at the stake. Okay. <laughs> so um, she's a white witch, they say. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's another you thing. Some people maybe don't know the differences. Some people, they call themselves white witches or black witches or green witches or gray witches. So it really depends on like what kind of witchcraft they practice, what kind of spells they do and what they worship. White witch would be someone who only do witchcraft for good intentions, you know, for good reasons. And black would be like casting spells bad things on people as well they also do the dark dark work i would say i don't know exactly how they call it and gray would be like they do both and green would be more related to plants and nature so it's basically it i think and another thing i found interesting some people they they say they practice magic and they put a k on the end ck magic and i didn't know that before but they say that it's to differentiate from, you know, like stage magic and real magic. Interesting, right? Yeah, I didn't know that too. I was always curious. And you got a chance to interview a witch. And that's how she got to know that. Yeah. Um, you want to so... hmm? Sorry? No. I think we could give some examples now. Um, because I found I find it interesting how, like we said before, the image of the witch has changed a lot during time. And I think a big uh, contrast between the image of someone who is empowered and, you know, worshipped and someone who is feared can be really seen in the archetypes of like Hecate, which was a goddess, a Greek goddess, and Baba Yaga, which is a very popular witch, especially in East Europe, um, I think many people have heard about them. So 
Do you want to say something? No. You were going to say something before I started, sorry. Okay, so, for example, Hecate was um, a Greek goddess, and she was usually represented carrying two torches because in, in the story, it goes like, Persephone, she goes to the underworld and her mother is really worried to meet her and she's like, we need to rescue my daughter. And Hecate helped her to find Persephone in the underworld. So that's why she usually represented carrying two torches because she could go to the underworld and find Persephone. And then because she helped to find her, Persephone became, um, Hecate became Persephone's companion. So every year when she would go to the underworld, Hecate would accompany her and help her to, you know, pass to the other side again. It is quite interesting, I think. Um, so she's considered to be the goddess of crossroads, entranceways, everything that needs a boundary. She was kind of the goddess of that. That's why she could pass to the underworld and to the physical world so easily. And she's also considered the goddess of night light, magic, witchcraft. She's also known to have knowledge about herbs, especially poisonous plants, ghosts, necromancy, and sorcery. And it's quite interesting because the way she's depicted, it's very like she was a very nice goddess. And she was not like scary or anything like that. She was um, happy and compassionate towards others including like Persephone and her mother when she, she helped them. So, and I think nowadays we would say that people who deal with, you know, ghosts, necromancy, sorcery, poisonous things and all that would be considered bad, a bad thing, but actually it's not. It's important to have both. And Hecate is also um, known as a triple goddess. Sometimes she's depicted as three women, so they could see all around. Or sometimes uh, a body with three heads. Um, so she's also known as like um, being in the liminal position because of the underworld and the physical world, but also because she was apparently the daughter of a titan and a nymph. So she could become a titan or a goddess, depending on the time. And yeah, another interesting thing is that she usually was represented with a dog, black dogs, or a pack of dogs. And they say that you would you could hear the sounds of the dogs barking from the underworld, and you knew Hecate was around you, which is quite I think is really interesting and nice. So. My point is that, sorry? Reminded me of Harry Potter, Fluffy. The, the Hagrid's dog? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, They're usually the black, dogs. Dog. black dogs. So. Yeah. so I think it's interesting to see how she was considered the goddess of witches, basically. The, the goddess of mysticism and how People used to worship her as well. Maybe not as much as other goddesses and gods, but as in the pantheon, but also as an important goddess. 
and she was not feared. She was respected, and people used to pray for her and get power through her. And we can see that another example that would be some very still, some coven still um, worship her, Hecate. She's very, very popular, I would say, among witches. That's true. But another example that is like the contrast would be Baba Yaga. And she's a very popular um, witch from Slavic folklore. So she's really well known, especially in East Europe or Russia. And she is considered to be a supernatural being. And she has other two sisters. So similar, similarly to Hecate, who had like three bodies, she could be the triple goddess. Baba Yaga also presents herself in a trio of sisters. They all are considered to be Baba Yaga. I don't know if you pronounce it differently, but that's how I, I know it. So, so I mean, I'm sorry about that. Um, so the funny thing is that Baba Yaga would be seen as an old woman, like a grandmother figure, but she would be very scary and ferocious looking and she would go around in this house that had chicken legs and she was uh, depicted in stories like devouring children and being very mean. But at the same time, she would appear in other stories as someone who helps others. So actually, she could either help or hinder your way, um, which is a thing that I think it appears a lot in the archetype of any Female figure, you know, like you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> like the fortune in Machiavelli, in, you know, The Prince by Ma Ma Machiavelli. I don't know how to pronounce his name in English, but yeah, he talks about the fortune. It's like tricky, trickster, like that too. And he's a female. I think that's a very. Okay, go ahead. I don't say much. <laughs> and it's just interesting how, you know, some people, they can see her as a very bad supernatural being or very good. Like, she's also considered to be the earth goddess and to be a representation of winter, of death, of the moon, and also a matriarchal um, figure. Uh, archetype of the grandmother as well so it's interesting how women in general are, are depicted in stories right <laughs> i think especially wise women and old because if you think about old women they know a lot and if they are out of the system they are dangerous for the system so they're witches you know so that's why i think this ambiguity exists in babayaga's tale and also Hecate for her power in itself as goddess of witchcraft. So it's really interesting how the same figure can be, the same archetype can be represented in so many different ways. And I think even nowadays in pop culture, right? Like Halloween season is coming, it's right around the corner. And I think people are starting to watch more TV or TV shows, movies, music that has this witchy element to it. So it's 
we would like to hear from you guys too. Like, what do you think about witches? When you, when you say witch, what does come to your mind? Like the Baba Yaga type or Hecate's type, or is it like Harry Potter? <laughs> I don't know. Or some other story you heard, but is it good or is it bad? Is it related to women or is just like magic in general? And also what, what, what it makes you think about, you know, the whole history of what women has passed through. And do you find a form of empowerment in yourself? when you connect with magic, when you connect with your inner self through witchcraft or through um, neo-pagan rituals, even like doing tarot readings or connecting to crystals, I guess it's all connected nowadays. Most people who like one, they end up liking the other. So please let us know. And if you have any um, recommendations of shows or anything related to witches that you like, we would really like to know. So we would like to just leave you guys with one little passage from the book Women Who Run With The Wolves. I'm pretty sure many of you know. It's by Clarissa Pinklestes. And she talks about the wild women archetype, right? And I think this part just really fits really well with what we're talking about. So it goes like this. When we lose touch with the instinctive psyche, we live in a semi-destroyed state and images and powers that are natural to the feminine are not allowed to full development. When a woman is cut away from her basic source, she's sanitized and her instincts and natural life cycles are lost, subsumed by the culture or by the intellect or the ego, one's own or those belonging to others. So... Just finishing off saying that don't lose your instinctive side. Don't lose this power that you have within you that has been taken away historically, socially, culturally so many times. If we have beautiful witch stories or archetypes nowadays, let's claim them and go be a beautiful witch out there if that's for you. Let's be empowered beings. All of us. And I hope you have a beautiful week ahead. And I hope you enjoy this October and you have lots of stories, spooky stories to share with us as well. And I hope to see you in the next episode. If you like, please leave us a review on the podcast. It really does help. And see you soon. Goodbye. Thank you very much. You can also check us out on our blog, gamesisters.com. Thank you.